0: Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 15, 14, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the Executive Director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. This episode is brought to you in part by The Gospel for Disordered Lives, a new book from B&H Publishing, authored by Kristen Kellen, Rob Green, and Robert Jones. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. As always, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Today, you're going to hear an interview that I did with authors Cheryl Marshall and Caroline Neuheiser about their new book, When Words Matter Most, Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love. This book is really an introduction to the concepts of how to open up God's word in meaningful conversations with people in everyday life. A lot of times we talk about these principles in biblical counseling and people get this perception that you have to have a degree or some certification or an expert to open up and help somebody who's struggling with something. But Cheryl and Caroline really help us see how you can have helpful, gospel-centered, biblically-driven, powerful conversations with people in everyday life. Uh, Not only do they talk about the concepts, but they give real practical instruction on how to do it, and they've put lots of scripture in here to point women to Two passages to utilize in particular situations. It is written primarily to women, but really anybody could benefit from the, from the information put here. I hope you are encouraged by this conversation and really encouraged by the book.: Thanks everybody for being with us today. Today, I have the pleasure of having two guests on with me: Caroline Neuheiser and Cheryl Marshall. Uh, ladies, would you mind introducing yourselves to our audience?
1: Hi, I'm Caroline Neuheiser, and I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I'm serving Reformed Theological Seminary women who are interested in counseling. So that's what I do for work, and I'm married to Jim Neuheiser, who some of you probably heard of.
0: Yes yeah, some some people have and he's a board uh, he's a member of the BCC council so a lot of our audience is very familiar with him. And Cheryl how about you?
2: Well again my name is Cheryl Marshall and I'm originally from the Los Angeles area. And we now live in Spring, Texas, which is just north of Houston. And I am married to Philip and we've been married for 27 years. He's a professor at Houston Baptist University and also an associate pastor at our church. We have three children, 22, 16, and 16. And we have a daughter-in-law who will be added this next year. So we're really excited about that. And currently I serve at our church as the director of women's ministries.
0: Well, fantastic! And you, in both of you, failed to mention that you're authors of the book, which is actually why we're uh, talking today. We're talking about your new book, "When Words Matter Most: Speaking the Truth, Speaking Truth with Grace to Those You Love." Uh, so you're both authors as well. So thanks for doing that. Uh, so tell our audience what led you to write this book, "When Words Matter Most."
2: Well, several years ago, I was teaching a. Sunday school class for the women at my church. And actually it was the fundamentals of the faith and taught several semesters of that. And at the during the first meeting of each semester, I would say something like, you know, please tell us why you're here, you know, introduce yourselves and let us know why you're taking the class. And so there would often be women who would say, I'm here to learn the Bible better so that I can minister to my sister or my neighbor or I have someone who's struggling in my family and I want to be able to talk to them about the word of God and so I started to hear that over and over again and then one afternoon at church a woman stopped me in the hall maybe a year or two later And she said, my daughter-in-law recently had a miscarriage. And now she's terrified that if she ever becomes pregnant again, that she will lose that child as well. Is there anywhere that I can take her in the scriptures to encourage her? And so we talked about that for a while, opened up the scriptures and um, talked through that. And as a result of that, I realized that. There are many Christian women who want to be helpful spiritually to those that they love, but they don't know what to say and they don't know how to say it. And so that just got me thinking about the ideas of this book and, and made a basic chapter outline for all the for all the chapters and contacted Caroline and said, will you do it with me? And she said, sure. And that was how everything got rolling.
0: Tell everybody a little bit about how you all know each other, which obviously comes out in the book. You share that in the introduction, but why did you write together?
1: Well, Jim was a pastor at Grace Bible Church in Escondido, California. And Escondido is the location of Reformed Theolog- I mean, uh, Westminster Seminary in California So we had a lot of students come to our church and one of them was Philip Marshall. And Philip and Cheryl came to study. Philip was studying there. They lived in our church building in 1995. And uh, Cheryl taught piano to my children, especially one who kept on going with it. And um, yeah, we've been friends and kept up over the years.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And what, what was it that made you guys decide to write Cheryl? Why, why did you reach out to Caroline and say, help me write this book? Or was that actually what you said?
2: <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> no, well, um, I'll be honest with you. I've never done anything like this before. And I was a bit afraid. I, I knew, I knew this was a good idea. I knew this, this was something that women needed help in and encouragement with doing this, and um, but I'd never written a book before, and I thought, okay, who could do this with me? And immediately, the only name that came to mind was Caroline. The reason being is because when I'd known her when I was younger, I'd seen her live this out. And then I knew that she had gone on, gone on for further education and she was now a biblical counselor. And I knew that she would bring a wealth of wisdom and understanding to the project. And so I uh, said to my husband, I said, do you think Caroline would say yes? He said, you never know unless you ask. So go for it.
0: (laughs) No, oh, that's really it's really good. Now, one of the things I love about the book is is you do mention biblical counseling in the in the beginning, and really you have a great definition for biblical counseling too. But some people get intimidated by it and think, "Oh, well, I'm not a counselor," or and you you just handle that really well, and you're you're helping equip people for everyday life and conversations. What's the definition? Uh, of biblical counseling that you give to help people grasp that this is not just for professionals, not just for experts or people with degrees.
1: We say that to give biblical counsel simply means to wisely and graciously speak the truth of God's word to those you care about according to their need.
0: That's really what we're asking people to do and what you really help equip people to do so well. Uh, so who is the primary audience? You kind of hinted at it already, Cheryl. When you wrote, you were thinking of a particular group of people. Who, are, who is the primary audience?
2: Well, the primary audience is not your certified biblical counselor. I mean, I think a counselor could benefit from the things that we share here. But really, our aim was for the woman in the pew, the woman who maybe has not even heard of biblical counseling, She doesn't know those concepts. She doesn't know that terminology, but she is a woman who loves the people around her. She sees spiritual needs of of her family members, of her friends at church, of her neighbors. And because she loves the Lord and she knows his grace in her own life, she really does want to help meet those needs, but she may not know what to say or how to say it. And so we really wanted to provide a resource to encourage her and give her understanding of what it means to speak the truth in love, but then to also equip her with how can she actually do that? How can she use the scriptures and which scriptures um, could she use in those various situations? And so that's the woman that we were really trying to focus on every chapter as we wrote the book.
0: Yeah, no. And I think you definitely hit Hit that well. Who else would benefit from from this? Or who else could benefit from this?
1: Some people have written reviews on Amazon, and one was a man said, I think men need to read this book. It's not just women, men have the same, a lot of the same issues. Men need to know that you can speak Bible truth to others. And then I was at a conference this last weekend, and a lady came up and said, Do you think this book is good for our? Girls, junior high, Bible study. Yes, because they have the same needs also. So we'd like it to have a broad audience.
0: Uh, they, I think it could be as a as a guy reading it, maybe a little you're just going to have to be a little bit creative because a lot of your stories are geared towards women. All the pronouns are feminine, which is, which is fine. But the, the fact of the matter is, yeah, you're equipping people to have conversations in everyday life that are saturated with scripture and, and helpful in ways that are targeted to meet people where they are. And that's exactly what you have offered. One of the things I love too is, is how much scripture you actually include straight in the text of, of the of the book. So um, that that spoke a lot of your own personal value of scripture. And it's also a really helpful resource to those who are reading it. What made you decide to do that instead of simply listing references at the end of a sentence or which there's some of that too.
2: Just because it's so important to see that how well scripture applies to every situation. Um, you know, one of the premises of the whole book is that we need to hear God's word and not just one another's words or opinions. And so, of course, as we wrote the book, we give our opinion on some things and application of things, but we really wanted to root everything in the actual principles of scripture and make that very evident to the reader. And so that's one of the reasons that we tried to incorporate the actual words of scripture as much as possible.
0: Yeah, no, I think it was a helpful, really great use of it, um, both the sharing it, explaining it, applying it, all of, that was really wonderful. You broke the book down into two main sections. What are the main sections?
1: Well, the first section is filled with some of the presuppositions that we're basing the rest of the book upon, such as the importance of scripture compared to our own opinions. That's one we've talked about, but things such as we need to find out who needs scripture spoken to them. So we talked about those categories. We talked about what type of person should be sharing scripture with others, like the character of that person. We um, speak about some of the people who need to hear scripture and we go into that specifically. We have all kinds of uh, made up names of people with different problems. (laughs) But we also want to think about this attitude we have as we share, so to speak the truth in love. is Ephesians 4:15. That's one of our main focuses of this book.
2: And in the second half and in the second half of the book, we go into addressing specific issues that women may face um, some very broad categories. So we have the worried woman. We have the weeping woman, the wayward woman, and the weary woman, and there's a chapter devoted to each. And in each of those chapters, uh, we discuss that issue, but then we also present three or four different passages of scripture, and we explain them and give the reader um, an understanding of that passage so that she can then share it with someone who's in one of those situations.
0: Yeah, no, that was really helpful. Besides the alliteration, what was it that made you pick those broad categories?
2: We have
1: experience, both of us, of talking to women, but I've been counseling for more than 10 years. And these are the common questions that are coming up. These are the common problems of the people that we are speaking to.
0: No, that's good. It's definitely birthed out of need, All right? To quote robots, see a need, fill a need, right? Um, it <laughs> doesn't d- d- indicate my age, but more the age of my kids, to what movies we quote, right? Uh... <coughs> the gospel of Jesus Christ, the heartbeat of the Bible, brings life-changing hope and power to real people with real problems. Inspired by that conviction, the gospel for disordered lives provides an introductory guide to the theory and practice of Christ-centered biblical counseling, intended to serve as foundational textbook for students in Christian colleges universities, seminaries, and graduate schools, the book also provides a useful overview that working counselors can reference in their ministry context. Additionally, it can serve pastors and current counseling practitioners as a helpful refresher and a resource for common counseling problems. I love this new textbook. I'm going to use it in my training, and I hope you will too. You draw from Ephesians 4.13, which is pretty common place to draw from in biblical counseling, three goals uh, that we all should pursue in our personal relationships. What are those three goals that you draw from that passage?
2: The three goals that we drew from that are the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, and Christ-like maturity. And so we wanted to give the reader some understanding of How important it is that in our Christian relationships that we're not just staying on the surface, that we're not just rolling across the top of our relationships, but rather we're interacting with one another at times on a deeper level where we're really focusing on why did God give us to each other? And so as you read through that passage, you see in context with speaking the truth and love that we've been placed into a body. For purposes, Um, one of those being, again, the unity of the faith. So not um, just a unity of our subjective individual responses to God, meaning, you know, with faith, but rather that we have unity of doctrine the unity of the faith, the doctrine, and the teachings of scripture. Um, also with the knowledge of God, that it's not just that we know facts about Jesus, but that we know him and we're walking with him in a relationship of trust and love. And then with Christ-like maturity, that we are encouraging one another in sanctification, that we grow in Christ-like maturity, um, in our conduct, and our character, and we really have an opportunity as believers to come alongside one another and help one another grow in faith and obedience. And so those are the three main goals that we drew out of that passage.
0: No, oh, That's fantastic. And I love, uh, I remember David Pallison wrote one time that you could almost do all your biblical counseling out of Ephesians because it's just so rich and, and so practical. And the, the first Verse of chapter four starts with walk in a manner. Uh, I, Paul, encourage you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've been called to, but that you is plural. And I think people a lot of times take that on as a personal, like, I need to be holy and walk righteously, which yes, we do. But it is such a, it's a community effort. It's a, the church, these are instructions to the church. And you, I love the way you put that, that why has God given us to each other? Um, that we are here to sharpen each other, to equip each other, to encourage each other, um, all those things. That's that's really great. You also mentioned uh, three things that are necessary to speak the truth into the lives of people, because sometimes we people do get hung up on this idea that I need some level of training. I need some level of knowledge. I need some expertise to be able to help somebody. But That's not always the case. So what, what are the necessary things that we need?
1: Well, we have to be willing to speak to others. And we try to make that case in our chapters, early chapters, we need to not just be surface level. Like Cheryl said, I mean, we can go to church and smile and not even talk about what is really hurting, how those people are hurting or how they need to be pointed to Christ So we need to be willing. We need to know God's word. (laughs) So that doesn't mean we all need to be seminary trained or have been in Bible studies fellowship for years and years, but to know enough about the word that we can rightly divide it and use it to help as it's meant to be. But we also need to have, like I said before, the attitude of love and grace and kindness It's instead of just like, I have something to tell you and you need to listen, but coming alongside gently and carefully, and we hope that that flavor came out in our book, because that is one of our main emphases. We want people to think about truly caring like Christ cared for the people.
0: Yeah. No, it's, that's great. So willingness to speak the truth, some knowledge of God's word, something to actually give that is worth giving, and then the the humility to come alongside. And I love even the the cover art that you have has a lot of tea mugs and coffee mugs and stuff. And you really are trying to, and, and are telling people, these are just the normal everyday conversations that should be happening when we sit down with somebody for coffee, when we grab lunch together, whatever. This is not a, doesn't need to be a really super formal kind of relationship. So one of the questions that often comes up in counseling training is whether or not biblical counselors can or should counsel unbelievers. Uh, And I really like the way you handle that question in this book. You have some good insight there. Um, What would you say to somebody who asked that question?
2: I'll let caroline take that part because she she really con- she contributed so well to that section so out of respect for you caroline you can uh you can answer that question and the reason we
1: included this in our book is because it has come up like do i only find believers and i mean are they even going to listen if it's an unbeliever but we start out by saying we need to meet the unbeliever with their actual needs. So instead of going in and preaching, we're helping a worried woman say, or a woman who's had a miscarriage or lost her husband, widow. So we help with practical needs and pray for her. And then if we're going to say something to her, we want it to be biblical. Like we've had women, I've heard women say, well, just keep on trucking on. <laughs> these words are not going to have the power to help her truly. And we might be tempted to say those cliches to an unbeliever, but what they need is the word of God. The greatest need is a spiritual need. So that is what we say in our book, in this chapter, we say that Jesus is going to open their minds to scriptures Even our common sense wisdom is nothing compared to God's wisdom. And he's the one who does the opening of their minds and he's going to help us as we teach. I mean, it's God's wisdom is above all other wisdom, as I've said. And also he is their main need more than the practical needs. We want to think of eternal things. That's our really, that's a really loving way to speak to an unbeliever.
0: Yeah, it really is because, and sometimes I think in our just human way of dissecting the world, we get this idea of like I'm going to care for my friend, and then I'm going to evangelize my friend, and there's this like parting <laughs> of these two worlds. It's like actually no, I mean these are great places for to, for those two realities to come together, where you're meeting with the weary woman, the 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 wayward woman, whatever, um, and she needs the gospel and helping her address these other needs is a great way to point her to Christ as the fulfiller of all of her, her most important need, but also her, these other needs, um, that she's running into. So no, it was a really, really helpful section in there, uh, in the book that I, that I loved a lot. Um, you have something akin to a second introduction before part two, uh, where you give some basic information on how to prepare, uh, for gospel carrying conversations. What advice do you give to people in that second introduction?
2: Well, we wanted to make this book as helpful as possible to the woman who'd be reading it. And so, as you said, in that introduction to part two, we give several suggestions on how to use scripture when speaking with someone, because a lot of times we can feel like we, uh, we can't remember where something is or we get nervous about what to say or how to say it. So some of the suggestions are this, um Mark the scripture passages in your Bible and make a cheat sheet, (laughs) you know, just put that cheat sheet right there, a big sticky note inside the front of your Bible, you know, according to different passages that have been meaningful to you or passages that uh, we share here in the book itself, Um, memorize key verses, or at least their references. Um, Number three, ask something like this. May I share with you what the Lord has taught me from the Bible that might help you too?" So there may be times, you know, not, you don't have to use exactly that wording, but there may be times that, uh, you're not sure, is it appropriate at this moment for me to say something to her or not? Um, so sometimes even just asking for that type of permission, you know, can I share something with you that the Lord has taught me, um, something that I've learned when I've gone through a similar situation, um, Another suggestion is if you find it helpful, read the explanations of various scripture passages directly from this book. Uh, Even Caroline and I, in our own counseling, um, we don't do everything from memory. Um, We're not that smart (laughs) Uh, and we're getting older. And so we can't remember everything. Um, But there are definitely times that we will refer to a book or we'll open up a some sort of some sort of help to help us as we are speaking with someone. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Another suggestion is use the Bible verses and the explanations in these chapters as starting points for further conversation. Uh, What we provide here is not just the end, the beginning and the end of a conversation. It's just, uh, these are springboards by which you can go into deeper conversation with someone about their particular circumstances and their particular needs. We, uh, also give suggested additional helps in our recommended resource list at the back of the book. I even just had someone contact me the other day who, um, a family member committed suicide, an extended family member, and the woman contacting me was saying, do you have something regarding grief? And I was able to direct her to the back of the book, and she was able to look those up and, and choose which one was helpful to her family. And finally, we say in our suggestions is, above all, pray. Uh, we have to always remember that we are dependent upon the Lord for his help to speak wisely and graciously. You can have all of these suggestions outlined and all these passages written down. Uh, but ultimately we need the Lord's help to uh, speak his word.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was good. All of those tips are really helpful. Even I think for seasoned biblical counselors to think through, like, have I, am I doing these things? Oh, this might be a helpful thing to do in my in my counseling, but definitely for that person who's just doing this, it could be kind of intimidating, starting doing these types of conversations. I thought it was really kind of you to give some, that practical, uh, tips and then remind them to who the sources of the, of the real change and transformation. Uh, that question that you read, the one that you highlighted, may I share with you what the Lord has taught me from the, from the Bible that might help you too. um, I think it would be a fantastic one for all of us to (laughs) just, uh, have on, on the ready. Um, why, why is that such an important question to ask somebody in those, in those contexts?
1: I could answer it in a couple of ways. First, if you're speaking to an unbeliever and you're starting to enter into deeper things, you want their assent. you know, it's like, are you ready for that? Have you, have you felt enough that I've loved you and care about you that I want to share something really meaningful. So that's the second thing. Also, even with the Christians they're they may be filled with grief at that moment and just not able to talk to you about anything. You know, I, I was counseling a woman uh, yesterday who had a miscarriage and it, it took a while before she was ready to just finish talking about, her feelings and her fears of having another baby and her uh, dread of maybe going through that again. So there's, it's a wisdom issue, but it also lays the answer on them. So they can say, no, I'm not ready or yes. I'm willing to hear what you have to say. I'm desperate.
0: That's a good word. I think it's a good word to, to help us slow down and really determine whether or not the person wants to hear, or is ready to hear, able to hear. And for those who, uh, and this is a word of encouragement to us seasoned biblical counselors, like sometimes we are so chomping at the bit to jump in there and give help. And some people don't want help. They just they just want to whatever. they You know, that's not what they want. Um, I thought that question was a good one to help. You know, pastors, as you're, you see somebody in your congregation hurting, you can pause and ask, hey, would you mind if I share? And that can open up conversations, or at least let them know that you're ready to share and talk, even if they're not ready, that when they get ready, you might be a person that they can come talk to. So pastors are not pastors, anybody uh, sitting there. What are some ways, we've talked about the fact that your primary audience are women in church who just want to have conversations, meaningful conversations with friends. What are some ways that biblical counselors might utilize this book?
1: Well, Uh, Some of us have more experience than others. (laughs) I know when I started out, I just, I was creating my cheat sheet. So I needed to have some passages ready. Um, That's why we put more than one passage for each section two at the end, because we want to speak about not only somebody else's list, but we want to speak about a passage that has affected us. So a seasoned biblical counselor could take this a section like this and interact with the word on their own and use it to help others because they've been helped by it or they've seen it help others. So that's what we would want counselors to do. And like you said, Curtis, we need reminders again, how to approach people. I have, I'm involved in training women for counseling and some of them say, well, what do I do about my agenda items? Yeah, they are wanting to get down the list on all the the needed teaching, but the counselor should be encouraged to just stop and listen and to think about God's work at play in play with the counselee. But another thing just to mention, I really, one of my favorite chapters is chapter 11, the last one, which says, I don't know if I can do this. Some of my trainees say, I don't think I can do this. And we use the story of Moses in Exodus three and four, where he says, I can't go. And God says, I'm with you, but I can't speak, but I made your mouth. I can't, I still can't do it. I will bring someone alongside to help you. I think the counselor, any of us need that, especially when we encounter a problem that we've not really counseled before. It's like I don't know what I'm doing. Well, we really have to depend on the Lord for that.
2: I have another idea also as we've as we worked through the book we were realizing that for a counselor she may have other women in the church who are not counselors but she's identified them as future counselors. And she may see them and say, you know, that's someone I'd like to bring up and bring along with me. To, uh, to do this at some point. And so we sort of look at this book as a, a gateway book where you can hand this to another woman in the church who's never even maybe thought of biblical counseling as something that she can do. But she reads this and she starts to develop an appetite for what we were saying earlier, speaking the truth with grace and to the lives of those you love. And so just opening a woman's eyes to this type of Lifestyle ministry may be good to. It may be good to share it with others in the church, who you identify as um, being able to grow in this area.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was also thinking of the person too who's getting counseling. Uh, <clears throat> you know, when we do when we train people on counseling, to look for when are you ready to end counseling, when are you ready to wrap things up. One of the things we would love to see is when they begin imparting what they've learned to others. When they become not just the one receiving biblical wisdom but dispensing it too is a great indication. And I thought, man, this would be a great one uh for counselors towards the or for people getting or receiving in to say, "Hey, you know, if you've you've been blessed by what we've done, the Lord can do this in your life too. Here's a great resource to help you. You know, you don't need to jump straight to a seminary degree. Uh, you can just Grab a hold of this book, read it, and it's going to help you do for others what the Lord's allowed me to do for you. Um, it was a great, great thing. One of my favorite quotes from uh, Jim uh, Caroline's husband is How thick, is, or the question is just, How thick is your Bible? That uh, <laughs> he always asks people. Um, we all need to learn more about Scripture. And I really appreciate this resource um, for people who feel like I have a thin knowledge of Scripture. Uh, But I still want to help people. You guys did a great job giving them God's word and guidance and how to use it. So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, We're wrapped up uh, down to the last few minutes of our time together. And I sent you the two-minute favorite questions. So you guys hopefully are ready for this. And since there's two of you, you get four minutes. Um, Are you ready to start this? Sure. Sure. (laughs) all right here we go uh i'll start i'll just throw out a question one of you answer then the other and then i'll move on to the next question so first question what is your favorite food
2: dessert (laughs) in general (laughs) oh
1: am i supposed to answer also (laughs) yeah yeah you go okay uh lasagna
0: (laughs) what is your favorite color blue green Green. What is your favorite, the favorite gift you've ever received?
2: Unexpected flowers after a miscarriage.
1: Oh. Jim gave me this ring when I was in high school. We were in, no, early college. So, way before we were seriously committed to each other. I haven't taken it off.
0: (laughs) Favorite gift you've ever given?
2: Oh. If this counts, it was a 50th anniversary party for my parents that we put on.
0: That counts. Okay, great. <laughs>
2: um,
1: we, I took a girls' trip with my mom for her 80th birthday to Sedona. That was really fun. All
0: right. Favorite word? Hope. Grace least favorite word slacks
1: (laughs) i can't do it
0: three words you can't say that's that's fine some of those words are not not repeatable that's okay uh favorite candy
2: peanut m&m's no anything chocolate for me
0: peanut m&m's anything chocolate all right favorite book of the bible
2: psalms and philippians Hmm. I'd probably say
0: Ephesians Favorite book outside of scripture?
2: That's a hard one I had to narrow it down I'm just going to say Growing in Grace by Sinclair Ferguson I was very impacted by Knowing
0: God by J.I. Packer Favorite ice cream flavor? Butter pecan Anything with chocolate Favorite
1: sport? I I like like to run Oh, Cheryl likes to run Yeah I like college
2: football.
0: All right. Favorite sports team?
2: <laughs> I guess I've got to say the Astros. <laughs> mm. I've been a
1: Cowboys fan for a long time.
0: Uh, f- if you had any superpower, what superpower would you choose? I would like to fly.
1: <laughs> I'd like the ability to get a lot of things done quickly.
0: <laughs> uh, favorite animal?
1: My dog. Captain, I'm a bird watcher. I like all kinds of yard birds, birds—not yard bird birds, birds that come to my bird feeder. Uh, favorite verse, Bible verse?
2: That's hard. Longtime favorite verse would be Philippians one six. I was going to say that too, Cheryl. Really? Wow!
0: Yes. Great minds think alike. If your mother were to describe you in one word, what word would she use?
2: Determined.
0: I think.
1: I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, probably kind.
0: All right. Well, that wraps up our two-minute favorite segment, which was four this time. But thank you guys so much for uh, being with us on the podcast today.
2: Thank you you so much.
1: Appreciate
0: it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.